Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to AZ Brandcast, where we talk to all sorts of awesome people, like Dr. Jeff Watson today, about the power of brand and how to build great brands in our remarkable state of Arizona. I'm your co-host, Mike Jones, with my other co-host, Chris Stadler. Yeah. And our guest today is, as I mentioned, Dr. Jeff Watson. You prefer Dr. Jeffrey Watson? Dr. Watson or just Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Watson. Yeah. I like that. It's very Sherlock it's very Holmesy. Sherlock Holmesy. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You teach at ASU. That's right. Arizona yeah. State University. I'm a lecturer in philosophy at ASU. Oh, man. I think today's going to get really deep. What do you think, Chris? It's, it's certainly the potential is there. I, mean, I looked at the questions and I'm like, ooh, yeah, we're going to get deep. We're going to get philosophical and then we're going to bring it back, right? We're going to make it in- intelligible. One would yes, hope. One I, I would hope so, <laughs> especially on our podcast. Um, and you're also a part of Resound, actually. That's right. Yeah. So I was a co-founder of Resound back yep. in 2009. Yeah. yeah. And you're on our board. Yeah. That's awesome. So we get to actually hang out quite a bit. Yeah. Well, maybe not quite a bit. Not as often as we used to. No, no, we don't. And I am sometimes sad about that. It is sad. But I also still get to see you. So it's awesome. In particular, we're going to be talking today about gaining clarity on what it means to be an entity that helps people, groups, and organizations understand themselves. Right. So we're kind of talking about basically what does it mean to be a brand? I think. I think that's what we're going to be talking about. We'll find out. But first, before we get into a big, long philosophical discussion with Jeff, which I'm really eager for, uh, a word from our sponsor, Chris. Yes, uh, I have to mention our fantastic friends at Conscious Capitalism Arizona. This local association is on a mission to share with the whole world how doing business for good is just good business. This local chapter of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated Host tons of local events and provide resources for business leaders to instill a higher purpose in their company and engage all their stakeholders. Be sure to check them out at ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com. That's awesome. I'm really, I'm, I say it every time, I love Conscious Capitalism Arizona. Me too. And they're just an awesome supporter. A great fit. Of so many organizations who are trying to do good things for their business. And Mm. I think we're just blessed to be able to have them. Um, as a part of our show and just making sure this happens every month. Totally agree. And did you hear that they just got, um, was it recently they got chosen to host the national, the inter- is it the international or the national? Event? I think it's technically the international conference for conscious capitalism. It's a, it's a yearly annual conference uh, bringing in leaders from all over the world who believe in or subscribe to conscious capitalism as a way of doing business. And it's really cool. I got to go this last year. It was in Dallas and it was an amazing event full of really talented, like really talented people, um, both from the speaking level, like some great business leaders and thought leaders from across the world. Um, everyone from, you know, CEOs of large companies like Whole Foods to smaller businesses, even local ones in Dallas that are doing some really interesting things and even some public-private partnerships. Um, but this year, it's going to be in Phoenix in 2019. So March 2019, mark your calendars. Check out online. Just search for Conscious Capitalism Conference. I'm sure you'll find information about it. Um, It's definitely something you don't want to miss if you care about elevating humanity through business, which I think most people do. Everyone, Santa Junior, do you care about that? He's saying yes. and (laughs) Got the thumbs up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Everybody around here cares about that. I think you have an icebreaker, Chris. Let's do that. Uh, Jeff, best, best pizza you've ever had and city. In the city where I and had the city pizza? where you had it, oh. yes. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, best pizza or weirdest pizza? Uh, Just best pizza. I, I mean, best pizza was in Chicago. Okay. Um. So there's not much else to say about that. Okay. It was, it was in Chicago. And then what kind of pizza was it? it was, do you remember? It was like some, you know, deep dish pan pizza with like the, the pepperoni things, and it was good. I don't remember. It was really good. Okay. It went down as a list of you know. Good pizzas. Weirdest pizza, though. It's a little more interesting. That was in St. Petersburg. Russia, uh, Russia or Florida? Russia. Okay. And it, it was uh, pickles and corn. Oh, okay. Was that like Soviet era where they didn't really have pepperoni? Or yeah, they just had pickles and corn? you could actually yeah. store for long periods of time. That's what you can put on a pizza. I don't nice. Know, very... From a can, probably. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not going to judge. the. No. I'm just, but was it, was it good, though? 
No, it was weird. <laughs> no, I wait, it was it. not. I ate it because I was hungry. But I expected weird. a little more politically correct answer, but <laughs> thank it? you. That was way better. <laughs> I, I, I have to ask one more clarifying yeah, question yeah, around sure. the pizza before we move on. Was there cheese on it? Yes. There, okay. There was actual cheese on okay. it. Okay. Was, was it was cow cheese, and it was legitimate. It was cow cheese. cheese. Yeah. Probably not true mozzarella. You know, let's not make assumptions. No. It might have been true mozzarella. It could have. Okay. It, it was fine. It was fine, though. The cheese was not the problem. That was, was not the, the weird the part. Pickles. And the pickles. The is pickles is weird. I've heard pizza. of this, though. I've heard really? of pickles on pizza. Well, I've, I've experienced I, it, I don't but know I hadn't heard why. of it I experienced it. Okay, Papa Murphy's had a cheeseburger pizza for a while, and I, I oh. loved it. Okay. I mean, when I tried it, I was like, this isn't really a pizza. Like, someone who likes pizza in general could possibly just hate this. Yep. But it was a, it was a cheeseburger pizza. Yep. It's awesome. Tastes like cheeseburger, ketchup, and everything. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, yep. At some point, it's it's like a meat pie. Meat pie. That's yeah. At some point, it's just a a circle of dough. Yeah. With random stuff on it. At some point, isn't that like a cottage pie or shepherd? It's not shepherd's shepherd, pie because it has lamb, pie. but cottage pie I think has ground beef. Anyway, we're getting <laughs> way in the weeds on the pizza. But that's what we do. But this is what we do. Okay, but yeah. th- Mike, do you want to introduce first, like, fun, real question? Like, the real question. We're moving on from pizza. I, I just want to so. make sure. Yeah, let's move it. Let's move it on. Even though I don't. Unless you have something to add. Well, only in that I would fight anybody about New York style being way better than Chicago, but. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you'd fight anybody because you think New York is better? Or? Oh, by far. I mean, it, there's uh, just not even a question about it. I mean, it's, it's pizza. What, what is pizza? Pizza is dough with things on it. Yes. Lightly sprinkled, right? Okay. That you can fold in your hand and eat while on the go. Very convenient food. Yeah. But Chicago's doing something else. Okay. (laughs) They're they're doing something else. It's good, but something else. It was very good. So Mike votes. uh, Chicagoans everywhere riling their hands in the air, (laughs) shaking fists at me going, you, I hate you. Okay. So Mike likes New York. Jeff likes Chicago. Is that a rule or is that just? No, that's just a. Just a, an anecdote. An anecdote. Yeah. Okay, so um, I guess I'll just go to Chicago just to you know <laughs> balance things out, be different, and then and then uh, anybody who wants to comment on that can go to the Easy Brandcast Facebook page and yeah, let's like, do a poll, duke it out, let's do a poll. You know, yeah. which brand is better, New York pizza or Chicago pizza? All right, fight it out, yep. fight it out amongst yourselves, everybody. Boom. Done it. Yeah. So we want to get into this first one, Jeff. We're really excited to have you on the show. Thanks for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> Mostly, I'm really excited because we've had a lot of conversations in the last nine years about what is intrinsically a brand, right? And you being a philosopher, I think you bring this like awesome perspective to that conversation, um, just in how you've thought through a lot of things around identity. What kinds of things have or are brands, in your opinion? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so when we talk about a a brand, we could talk about an individual having a brand, and sometimes that's true. So a, a speaker or a, a celebrity or someone like that could actually have mm-hmm. a brand associated with that person. But more typically, when we talk about a brand, we're talking about an, a group of people, an organization, or something that people do together, whether that's one time or long term or ongoing or persisting or not. Um, and so I guess there's kind of an assumption when we talk about having a brand, a thing that has a brand. We're talking about some kind of organized system, organized group of people. We don't grant brand inanimate objects so much. I mean, I guess there's a sense in which a mountain could have a or develop a brand or a national park. But even there, that's tied with some organization, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess there's an assumption when we're talking about brands, we're talking about the identity of a, most often, we're talking about the identity of a group of people. What it is that they use to identify themselves to others but also internally to identify themselves to one another so that they know they're a thing. Hmm. That's really interesting. So I've heard that there's this, there's this idea that your body cells constantly get replaced. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Including the human brain, which is crazy, right? The brain you were born with, you yeah. don't have now. Then you're physically a totally different person after one of those complete cycles of cellular Regeneration. So what is that, like seven years, you're a completely new person with no... Yeah, I, well, think, 
I think I, which which is incidentally the time it takes for gum to be digested. Is yep. that I, I don't know about the, <laughs> I don't know about the gum okay, story, but, but I mean, uh, even the the words we just chose here is probably not accurate, right? To be a person, well, you're still the same person, right? Mm. It's something else that switched out. We might even say you're the same body in a literal sense. Your body persists over time, but you're not the same composition. You don't have the same parts. So even though something's parts can change, right, that whole can continue over time, even the complete change of all of its parts. Uh, and yeah, that's true of your, your body. It's true of you as a person that even if, if there's a complete gradual, as long as it's gradual enough, change in parts, you can remain the same hmm. thing. And that's obviously true of organizations too, right? So <clears throat> the people who are at a certain company now were not there 100 years ago. All the people there 100 years ago are dead. But yet we can still talk about persistence over time. We still have the same entity. So why? It's obviously not the component parts that make it the same thing over time. So what makes it the same thing over time? And the same with you. I mean, why are you the same person now as you were seven years ago? If you are, I think you are. <laughs> but if you are, then why are you the same person if it's not the, the same cells? Okay, so you've, I've, I've done little little reading on this. And, and um, it seems like you... so. This idea of essential properties, and and I'm wondering essential properties, and I think there's another word too. Accidental there. properties. Accidental yeah. properties. Yeah. So explain that. Sure. What is what is that? So the distinction between accidental and essential properties. Accidental properties are contingent to you. That is, you could exist without them. You could have existed without them, even if those things hadn't had been there. You still would have been you. It's not that you would have changed identity or been a different entity or a different person without them. So some obvious examples, my hair color, my hair is brown right now. It won't last. <laughs> I'm confident that's not going to last. Your hair won't last or it the color won't uh, last? Uh, I'm, I'm sure the color's not going to last. I'm not even sure about the hair. But I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping the hair will last, but I know the color's not going to last. As do we all. Yeah. But that's an accidental property I have, having brown hair, right? My eye color now, even though I don't think my eye color is going to change, I could have been the same person even if I had blue eyes. I don't have blue eyes. I have some kind of weird, I'm colorblind, so I don't know. I'm told they're hazels. <laughs> but I, I would be the same person even if I had blue eyes. It's not that my blue eyes are part of what makes me who, me, who I am. So those are accidental properties. The fact that I live in a certain place, the fact that I uh, have had certain experiences I might have not had, those might be important. They might be valuable when I'm telling the story of my life. Well, hey, I was born, I was born in Tucson. That might be useful when I'm telling the story of my life, but that's not essential to who I am. It's not as though I couldn't have existed if I were born in Phoenix. So essential properties of a thing are things that it wouldn't be it without. It just wouldn't be that thing. So, you know, it's essential to being a dog that something's a mammal. It wouldn't be a dog if it was a fish. It's right. essential to being right. an animal that you're, an, I guess, an animate object. So a, a fish can't be a rock. Okay. Uh, it's essential to being a person that you have a mind, that you have some kind of experience. You could have less experience than you have. You could have a uh, sharper or weaker mind than you have. Your mind can change. But having a mind, that's essential to being a person. If you, if you don't have a mind, if you were an inanimate, mindless rock, you wouldn't be you. So there are certain changes we can undergo or things that we might not have had, and those are our accidental properties. But the essential properties are something or what it couldn't be itself without. So I ran across an analogy, a boat takes off. Yeah. Hey, are you familiar Ship with this Theseus. one? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So And so as soon as it leaves port, you know, some people are like, oh, okay, so as soon as you replace a board, you know, that, that's defective, it's now not the same ship. Yeah. As soon as the crew gets a new experience, it's not the same ship. But what we're talking about with brands, right, in order for this, this philosophy to be useful, to be applied, we have to choose a way to define that. And what you're saying is, because of what we're using it for, you need to define that ship and its crew as kind of the same thing as it leaves, as, as when as it comes back. back. Yeah, so okay. at the very least, I mean, we can put aside the deep philosophical question about the ship of Theseus, right? If we're okay. going to let this be an analogy to the kinds of things that have brands, right, then we're going to need them to persist through time despite change. And so by analogy, the ship, even though you replace one board, you replace another, maybe on the course of its vast journey, all the, the boards get replaced. And by the time it comes into port, it doesn't have a single board that it had when it began. It's still one in the same ship. There's this common thread, this common story that ties it together. 
over time. And in the same way, an organization over the course of three years might have a complete switch out of, well, hopefully not three years. <laughs> but I guess that even could happen. But, you know, over a course of time, it could have a, a complete switch out of the people involved, the place it's located in, the particular things that it does. And despite that radical change, it could still be one and the same thing if, if there's that kind of story that ties it all together. Right. So we wouldn't say if you just had a um, you know, Theseus takes off in a ship and it gets shipwrecked and they put the pieces of a ship together to make something else. <laughs> you wouldn't say that's the same ship uh, or he gets in a shipwreck and he buys a new ship. <laughs> same crew. You wouldn't say that's the same ship. So it's not guaranteed that something will survive over time. And the same is also true of brands. It's not guaranteed that they're going to survive just because they want to call themselves the same thing. That might not be accurate anymore. But if there's some common thread of of a story, there's co some common narrative that ties together that brand over time, then you have a reason to think that it's persisted. Okay, so, so the, real, the real thing that keeps it the same thing is having that, that story that, in other words, well, we interpret it as being the same thing. Like, we recognize this identity. The story itself probably isn't what makes it the same thing, but that's, uh, that's enough evidence that it's the same thing, that we can tell a, story, a common story about it. So there's... Right? There's something deeper than yeah. the story itself. There's an, there's essential properties, right? If we want to go back right. to that question, there's is some, that right? Yeah, so there's some essence to the thing, right? Mm -hmm. But good evidence that something has persisted is that you can tell a continuing story about it. So again, it's not our ability to tell a story about Theseus's ship that makes it the same ship. The story's not part mm -hmm. of the ship. It is nothing. It's not essential to the ship. That's in us. Yeah. But the fact that we're able to tell a meaningful narrative or a meaningful story about the ship as it continues over time and that that seems accurate and that seems authentic as opposed to pasted on, mm -hmm. uh, that's evidence that there is something still that's part, the essential part of the ship that's still there. Yeah. Now, how do you say what the essential part of the ship is? That's a good question. How do you say what the essential part of a brand is? That's I, a good question. But I, the ability to tell a narrative is evidence that the okay. brand is continued. That's good. I think so, that's helpful. You, you have this interesting idea. So does it matter? Switching gears slightly. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Does it matter if a brand is is accurate or 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 inaccurate? Um truthful or honest yeah. uh and 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 my real curiosity is you know but by what standard right do we do do we look at brands and say you know because you know there are a lot of people who have different points of view on a brand and what it does its actions and its words and and yeah yeah so i mean one you you might start out with the view that there is nothing it is to be accurate as a brand i, I don't help hold that view but let's just think about that for a second so if you thought that organizations weren't really real they don't really exist as anything more than a collection of people doing something at one time, uh, then there would be nothing to compare the brand to and say, well, yeah, that accurately reflects the identity or essence of the thing it is. There's nothing there, right? And I think that is a view of branding that many people do have. So, they so the have ship leaves either. port. Yeah. And then it comes back and they're like, if, if they follow their, their point of view through to its logical conclusion, they would say, I have known nothing about that ship. That there's, means nothing to me. It's yeah, just a collection of Whether we call it boards. the same ship or not the same ship, it's a matter of convention and there's nothing else to say about it, right? Um, and so similarly, uh, whether we say it's, uh, this is part of the brand or not part of the brand, it's maybe just a, a choice that we're making and that's it, right? There's nothing more... To, no standard to hold that up against. And so to call a brand inauthentic or fake doesn't make any sense by that standard, right? It can't be inauthentic or fake. It's just what, what it is, right? It's what we make it to be. But the difficulty with that is, in fact, we do experience a certain brands as being fake or inauthentic, or we experience certain uh, marketing tactics as being off-brand or inconsistent with a brand. Mm. And that sense that, that we experience something in that way is off means we think there's something it is for it to be accurate or on. And if there's something it is for it to be accurate or on, there's got to be something there that we're comparing it to. Now, that brings us to the question, if, if there is such a thing as a brand being honest or authentic or accurate, uh, what are we comparing it to? And, you know, philosophical answer, what's the essence of the organization? Okay, what's that, though? And I've, I think that's maybe the, the question we'd have to delve into. Yeah. That's absolutely the question oh, okay. that we yeah, well, should delve yeah. into. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm going to bring, suggestion. It, yeah, bring, bring it back. Uh, <laughs> are there essential properties? Yeah. And are there perhaps categories? Uh, maybe we can't name the specific essential properties of a brand because I, 
I'm going to ask yeah. a question. I'm going to yeah, pose yeah, go a ahead. thought process as I'm thinking through this as yeah, we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Is it that those essential properties are unique to each brand, right? They're, they are the boards, right? And which ones matter and which ones don't, maybe, if we're going to use the ship analogy, although that analogy, like all, will break down. Yeah. Or are there maybe categories of essential properties that help us to at least get closer? Yeah, so I like that. I like the idea of there being certain things that help us get at the brand, even mm-hmm. if we can't fully express that brand. And it would be anything we try to do is going to be misleading. So a good analogy is people. Mm-hmm. So it 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 is impossible, I think, to fully capture the identity of a person. Yeah. Uh, any attempt you make to do that, you're going to end up throwing in a bunch of accidental properties that are <laughs> right. not really part of them. But what we do with people is we we have tools we use to try to identify them, get at who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Accurately point to them, even if we can't fully capture all there is to that person. And so you know, we can give a few of those, right? So one of those is a narrative, a life story. So mm-hmm. someone has a certain biography. That's what we ask for people when they uh, <laughs> sign up to do something. Is What's your bio, right? We know the bio is not the totality of a person. It would be crazy to think it was. But that's one kind of way we identify people. I think that's also true with brands. So one aspect that can get at something's brand uh, accurately, that can help us point to it and say it's that, not that, is a story, a narrative. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of philosophical accounts of personal identity that pl- play, uh, l- allow narrative to play a large role. Mm-hmm. Another thing are choices that you're responsible for as a person. So one thing when we're getting at who a person is, is we start asking about them as, a, as an agent, mm-hmm. as someone who uh, makes choices and is responsible for certain things and not other things. Um, and similarly with brands, you can ask about, well, what decisions or choices do they make? What do they do? Um, not what do they happen to do or what happens to be done to them, but what did they actually do, yeah. deliberately do? Um, intentional choices. Intentional choices, right? And yep. Just like with a person. So you, you don't want to sum up a person as all the things that ever happened to them. Uh, what really helps you get at the person is telling us, well, what they've done, what they've intended, what they cared about, what mattered to them, what was important. And that's going to get you a little closer at pointing at the person, right? Uh, another thing are something's um, goals, hmm. its purposes. Um, so as uh, individuals, we have goals or purposes. Um, uh, organizations can have goals and purposes. I don't just mean like a very tacky <laughs> mission statement. Mission statement, right? Because <laughs> something like that can can be inauthentic or fake, right? But um, something that kind of gets at what this thing is there for. And that's not just, I mean, obviously it has to do with the intentions of people there, but it's not just what they intend because you can intend or think your purpose is such and such or think you're aiming at such and such and you're, you're totally overlooking the larger role that you play in a certain part of society or a certain industry, a certain economy, a certain segment of people's lives. So really often when you're trying to ask yourself, well, what is my goal or purpose or what, what do we do, right? Not what do we happen to do, but what do we essentially do, Right. What you need to look at is what role do you actually play? What's your function in a larger picture? Again, I don't think any of these things exhaust the essence of a brand, right? Sure. But they can help us point at that thing, the actual brand, and not something else, something that would slip away easily or change easily. So so claims yeah. and aspirations don't necessarily make a brand. No, no, definitely not. I mean, just like they don't make a person, right? So I could, I could imagine myself as, uh, well whatever you like, <laughs> whatever I want to imagine myself as. That Deep sea diver. Me, yeah. I'm, oh, good. yes. Yeah. So that's a good example of something I'll never <laughs> be very effective at. Uh, I, I've gone scuba diving once and it was horrific. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I, I valued being under the sea and seeing the animals and my wife was there and it was a good experience for the two of us. We have some great photos, but that's not something I would find fun. (laughs) But I could imagine myself as I'm a great deep sea diver. That's what I've I've always wanted to be. I I aspire to that. And then find through experience, that's not me. And I think that's also true of organizations. I mean, especially early on in an early phase, they might be trying out all sorts of identities or trying out all sorts of roles they want to play or purposes they want to have and finding, oh, that was an interesting aspiration. You know what we what call re- that? Really what we do. What we I call do. that the teenage years. Yeah, teen- <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, also, I mean, we do that as, as individuals and I feel like yeah. in the scheme of like the business lifespan, yeah. it, it, 
if you treat your business like a person, there's this moment where you're, you find yourself like unsure of where your place is in the world. And so you wear the funky pants mm. and you wear <laughs> yeah. the crazy hat and you listen to the music that you would never have listened to before. Right. And we do that as individuals. Right. Yep. And it's usually those roughly like teenage yeah. to like yeah, that's right. early adult years as we're trying to find our place. And it's like the band's first or second album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because if you relate that back to people, who are the people that oftentimes surprise us in life? Well, they're often the people that kind of figure those things out a little bit faster than everyone else. Right? They go, hey, I'm, I'm 18 and I already kind of know where I'm going in life. I kind of know who I am. And I'm not just trying to fake it until I make it. But I kind of have a trajectory. Right? Not that they're, they're fully yeah. there. Yeah. But they maybe have a better sense of their essence. Yeah, good. I don't know. Am I am I stretching an analogy or <laughs> no, I, I don't no, know. I, I just I like to think about businesses as as almost like a person. And the mm. lifespan of a business is has some similarities to the lifespan of a person, the different stages we go through. I think that's a that's a good metaphor. Hmm. Can we get technical again? Sure. All right. Always, Chris. I know you want to get technical. Well, I do. This is like Mr. getting technical. This is like getting a free college class from someone who likes <laughs> Arizona State University. <laughs> so I guess, and and here's something I'm just going to ad lib yeah. a little bit here because I want to I want to be thinking about how this affects Arizona. Yeah, you know how this how how this is is kind of helps Arizona. Um, and I think I think I kind of have an idea, and I'd lo- I'd love to see that come to fruit. If anybody has around the table has any ideas, in the meantime, uh, this idea of externalism. You talk about externalism, and I'm curious, could you explain the term and then maybe what it means for brands yeah, slash okay. companies? So let me start with something that's totally unrelated, but it will get us the right concept. That's how we roll. So, yeah. yeah. So um, when you have a concept of something, there are two ways that we could uh, identify your, your concept or say your concept gets defined. And one is that you have full understanding of what your own concept is, right? So... If you have a certain concept, the way you understand your concept, that's your concept. Uh, so let's say, for instance, you have a concept of, well, let's start with one you make up. That's a good example. Sure. So you just make up a concept, right? Uh, the concept of having uh, funny hair on a Tuesday, right? So you fully understand that concept. There couldn't be something that uh, that concept applies to and you wouldn't know. Because we're defining it as something it yourself. I own. It's yeah. something you own. Right. But most of our concepts obviously do not work that way. So most of our concepts we get from other people. And we get them socially and we kind of trust them and trust who they got it from and trust where they got it from for the the ultimate definition of that concept. And so we accept that many of our concepts can be completely wrong and we can misunderstand our own concepts. I mean, they're in our head, but they're kind of not. So, for instance, suppose I have a concept of what it is to have arthritis. And I think arthritis is um, uh, pain in in your thigh. Um, and I could go around saying things like, yeah, I have arthritis today. And by that, I mean, I have pain in my thigh. And I hear of someone who has pain in their thigh and I'm like, oh, you should get that checked out. It's probably arthritis. Well, I have the concept. It's our concept of arthritis, but it got it completely wrong because the definition of arthritis doesn't come from me and how I conceive of arthritis. The definition of arthritis comes from us, how we conceive of arthritis. And ultimately, we kind of defer to some medical expert who says, no, no, (laughs) arthritis has nothing to do with thigh pain. It's really more like joint pain. And here's the specific thing it is, right? And so you can understand some part of a concept, but not fully understand all there is about it. And similarly, you can have an idea that's really similar to something, but it's not the same concept. So the whole point of that exercise is to point out that our concepts, most of them, except the ones we make up for ourselves, uh, are defined outside of our own heads. They're in our heads, but part of the meaning is not in our heads. It's social. And so I think that's also true then when we're thinking about brands and how brands get defined. So one easy and instant temptation for a brand is to think that, well, we're going to be what we conceive ourselves to be. Hmm. We have a clear concept of our own brand, obviously, because we're, we're it, right? It's us, so we know what it is. And that's, you know, it's very tempting. But you could find yourself in the same position as the person who thought arthritis is thigh pain. You think your brand is something. But actually, you go around and actually ask people who have interacted with you outside of you who you are, and they'll give you... Like your customers. Like your customers, and mm-hmm. they'll give you a much clearer, and much more accurate answer. 
Yeah. And so there's no guarantee just because it seems to you like this is who we are. That's really who you are. Hmm. Uh, that, and of course, that's true of people too. I mean, yep. uh, you might have one conception of who you are and you start asking people around you and you, you learn something about yourself you didn't know. So now, <clears throat> would you then say that you should that you should allow yourself to be interpreted by other people? Would you go that far? Yeah. Well, so um, allow yourself to be interpreted. So if your brand, yeah. is it kind of like, you know, is it okay. purely an external perception? Yeah. So that that's not true either. Right? Mm. In the same way that I wouldn't say, oh, well, arthritis is just what people call arthritis. Right? So if everybody arthritis decides it's, it's yeah. thigh pain, then it's now, right, it's thigh now it's thigh pain. Now right. it's thigh pain. It doesn't quite work that way, right? <laughs> so, well, in fact, there can be for some terms we have, like being, I mean, this is a sad one. I, I know it's a pain point for Arizona, but being a planet. So the concept of being a planet. <laughs> it's a pain all, point for Pluto. It's a pain but point for our Arizona. Our claim to fame is planet. Is, yeah, uh, we discovered his face? Pluto. Lowell. Yeah. There's a observatory. Oh, well, yeah. So yeah, it is Pluto okay. related. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, it, yeah. It's, okay. yeah. So our, our uh, you know, our, <laughs> sorry, but uh, our, our claim to fame was having discovered the planet Pluto. Yes. Uh, even though it was true that nearly all people for a certain period of time thought Pluto was a planet. The concept of planet, as it was un understood by astronomers, and we get to defer to them, they get to decide what really is and isn't a planet, right? Quote fingers, experts. The expert, yeah. Right? So, just like the doctors. Just like the doctors, <laughs> they're the experts. And so they got to decide, well, hey, here was our criteria for a planet. Sorry, Pluto, you've been demoted. It doesn't matter that the majority of people thought that's what it was. Mm. And so I don't want to go so far as saying, well, your brand is just whatever people around you say your brand is. <laughs> well, yeah. that could be horribly inaccurate. It could be inaccurate for any number of reasons. It could be they don't know you very well. It could be you've not revealed yourself to them. It could be that they, they haven't had very good interactions with you or they have things that have skewed the recognition of a brand. So it's very important that you not just say, I'm well, going to defer to the people around me. And The reality is if you defer is, to the people yeah. around you, most brands wouldn't be anything. They'd, well, right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of what I was wondering, too. What impact does this have on, um, and it's probably a different discussion, but deciding, hey, we stand for this and it's right, and we're going we're gonna to allow it to develop and to heck with, you know, what everybody thinks, yeah. you know, um, we need to kind of do what's right first and then worry about, you know, how people are seeing it. Maybe our message changes, but, but maybe our essence kind of yeah, stays. So, so, so think of it as the, these are two good sources of information about a brand. Right? Gotcha. One is our own internal perceptions of it. And the other is people's external perceptions of it. Mm -hmm. So good sources of information. What makes the brand what it is, well, that's its essence. And that doesn't depend on how it's perceived. Gotcha. Right? But these are two sources of information we can consult. And so we can't, just like we can't be confident that, hey, the way we internally perceive it, that's what it is because it's just however we perceive it. Similarly, the way we're perceived, that's who we are. Well, Surely we hope that's not the case, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, it is true that sometimes internally we can take ownership of a brand or we can try to make it more of what it is. Just like as an individual, you can sort of say, hey, now I'm going to exercise some agency here. I'm going to try to uh, Intentionality. Inten intentionally do certain things, right? Um, and, uh, and that's an expression of who I am. And I want to make sure that that's how I'm seen, right? I think that's okay. But yeah, neither the internal nor the external perception is enough to to give you the brand. Because the essence is beyond the perception. Right. Well, that's okay. what it's trying to get at. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, this is true of physical perception. So the essence of this glass that I'm staring at is is distinct from my perception of it, right? Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, you could. there's a guy named George well, Barclay back in the 1800s who would disagree, or 1700s would disagree with me, but, you know, go ahead. So he would. So he would say your perception is. The, well, yeah. Bar uh, I mean, Barclay, Barclay's view is that, was that um, there is nothing here except a bundle of perceptions, right? So I'm looking. To me, it seems like I'm looking at a glass, and by glass, I mean a physical object that is not just my perception of it. But his right. view would be that no, a glass is just a bundle of perceptions. Nothing and besides perceptions, experiences. That's all that exists. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there is a strain of that in the. Uh, the business world that perceives brands as pure perception. Mm. They are malleable as in, in as much as you can change someone's mind about them. That's interesting. I, you know, it's yeah. interesting how that parallels, I think like many things in life, <laughs> the ideas born in philosophy yeah. carry through into 
real practice, right? So I think that, the business world follows that pretty closely. Is and that like that postmodern thing where you go into a university classroom, literature classroom, and instead of asking what the author meant, they want you to tell to say yeah, what whatever you the, think it means. Whatever the, that's really what the reader perceives it. Well, well, that right. confused, maybe we're over that confused the heck out of me in college. So I'm like, who cares what I think? <laughs> I want to know what the author meant. Well, you know, let's clarify slightly. So, yeah, it's good to ask, what do I think something means? But that question is a realist question. That is, there's something it means. And now you're asking me what I think it means, right? You're, you're, you're implying there's a meaning there's a, outside a meaning of myself, outside of there, right? and I'm trying to get at what it is. But an idealist, which is Berkeley's old view, uh, would say, well, there's nothing. Be- there's nothing there besides experiences. Yeah. And so there's nothing to the meanings except the meaning that I give it and the meaning you give it and the meaning you give it. And, and that's it. And of course, with artistic works, that is a, like a hard question. I mean, how do you get at the meaning of an artistic work? But and maybe that's a reason why people would want to import that to a brand. Hey, a brand is kind of like an artistic work. It's something we construct, we put together like a work of art. So maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it has the same kinds of quandaries, but, uh, it also seems to me that brands represent the identity of a very concrete, very real, very important thing, and that's an organized group of people. And mm-hmm. I, I think, unlike asking what the meaning of a certain interpretive dance is, I, I think asking what <laughs> what the identity of an organization is that's that's asking about something very real that impacts someone's life, mm-hmm. uh, many people's lives. Um, and so, it would be going too far to say of a brand, well, that's kind of like a pure work of art that. I mean, I don't know if this is true of works of art, by the way, but if someone holds this about works of art, works of art are just pure, meaning is pure external perception holder. I don't know if that's true or not, but imagine it was, it would definitely be going too far to say brands are like that, yeah. right? Because brands are, are representations of something real, yeah. something that you have to show up and interact with sometimes. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I could go to the the motor vehicle division, and I could say, "Well, I'm going to conceive of the brand of the motor vehicle division as like this beautiful, happy, uh-huh. uh, wonderful place to be. Place where you don't wait very long. Yeah, where I don't wait yeah. very long. Uh, I'm I'm still going to wait there, and I'm still going to have to sign the form for three times. And, and yeah. so, so uh, yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Like, I've always struggled with the view yeah. that says a brand is pure perception. Mm. I've always liked how you've described it, Jeff, because I think it allows us to use perception to understand the essence, but we're still saying the essence is something even external to perception. And I think what is helpful with that is that it provides some guide rails to your strategy of, okay, we internally have a perception of our brand. And we've found that as we looked at the external perception, there's a misalignment right? Mm. So somewhere in between is the essence, but we can't then go 180 degrees and change the perceptions both internally and externally 180 degrees because that would be so far away from the true essence that we're starting to kind of feel out, right? Because that essence wouldn't allow it versus the view that says, and I think this is probably why this view exists, which is kind of the, it's Barclay, right? Uh, yeah, George Barclay, Reverend George Barclay. Um, and I might be putting an interpretation into his words. It may not be there, so correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe it's not him, but I've seen this from people who subscribe to Brands Are Pure Perception. Yeah. Is it provides an opportunity to idealistically think that that brand can be anything. It can be whatever I want it to be yeah. as long as I then use those tools that we already talked about, your decisions, your behaviors and your actions to guide it to that point. It's interesting how many people live out their lives that way too. I know several people in my life who are challenged by the idea that there's an essence that is you and yeah. not that you can be whoever you want yeah, to be. So, so mm, I, I which think, gets into a whole nother philosophical well, issue. I think we can, so we can recognize something here that's right. It's a mm-hmm. very dialectical, right? So let's, let's thesis, <laughs> antithesis, synthesis. So let's recognize something that's right, and that's that um, both as people and as organizations made up of people, we have this ability to make choices and be held responsible for those choices. And that means that we can, in some sense, shape what we do. And so in, insofar as we are defined, or maybe not fully defined, but part of that, uh, that who we are is is in terms of choices we make and intentions we form. 
and intentions we execute, uh, we have that role in defining ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're not quite like defining a rock or defining a frog, right? There's something different about people and yes. groups of people. Uh, and that's very creative. Yep. And so we have the ab- ability as an organization to, I mean, you are really creating yourself, right? Yep. Let's not go so far as saying how you intend it to be, that's the reality of it. Or yeah, how you right. want it to be, that's the reality. Well, no. Uh, there's still structural limitations on me as a person. <laughs> yep. uh, there's still the, the place in which the brand finds itself, the situation in which it finds itself, the actual people who actually are there. SWOT analysis. Uh, oh, believe oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's one of yeah. Chris's oh. favorite I'm going all the way from things. art to the science of it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> My head is spinning. <laughs> <laughs> so... And those limitations are gonna gonna make sure that whatever choices you end up making are gonna conform to that. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to persist and you want to continue over time, and so so I yeah I think it would be going too far then too idealistic in the the old sense of idealism yeah to say that you are simply how you perceive yourself as being. Yeah. So my seven year old when he goes out and plays flag football and he says he's super fast <laughs> and the coach is like hey show me some of that speed you're always talking yeah. about. Like that, that, no, over, overheard at practice <laughs> because my son is not super fast. <laughs> he's the next Deion Sanders. Is he, I'm no. Deion. He's just running. Yeah, he no, he's Deion Sanders, slower, whiter, <laughs> like grandchild. I don't know. Yeah, at this point, but um, yeah. So so yeah. there's well, and, and but something that you said might kind of struck me because I was thinking about a lot of times we think of a logo as being something. Oh, we just make a logo, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just get anybody to make a logo. But in this conversation, a logo would be so there's a there's an old philosopher you might have heard of who talks about how how God has made us his his poem, mm-hmm. each one of us his poem. But by extension, it's possible that if that's something like that were true, that a brand might actually be a poem, right? Like authored by the actions and thoughts and ideals and of the people who make up the the brand. Am I am I onto something or is this totally just kind of like Divorced from what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I like the creative analogy, but just like we were saying earlier, whereas with a work of art, there's sort of, I mean, the ideal, uh, you you have very few limitations because you have to always have some limitations in art. That's true, uh, that you're always working within. But I sense that a brand has got a somewhat more structural limitations than a pure work of art. Because it has to communicate yeah. rather than just, it, it's more of an explicit communication. Well, it has, to, right? has to represent. So... Uh, there's a debate about whether artistic works represent anything, and maybe they do. But if they do, it's really weird to think about what they represent. And what's a piece of music represent? Maybe the better yeah. metaphor what's with better? art, yeah. and maybe we're just maybe stuck on help, art, yeah. and we can move to some other analogy. I have found that instead of talking about specific pieces of art, because the specific pieces, if I, I think of as use the analogy to a brand, yeah. right? So what is the what is the counter? Or what's the like thing in the brand for the brand to the piece of art? Well, it's not the piece of art. It's the artist. Okay. Right? And the artist, the representation is not so much at the art piece level. It's Mm. at the body of work level. Okay. Like we identify Beethoven. Yep. Not because of a singular piece of artwork. That does happen, right? There are artists that we can think of. Usually not maybe great ones <laughs> who we know because of one piece of art, right? But it's a very shallow definition, right? It's a mm-hmm. it's a shallow essence that we perceive of them mm-hmm. versus someone like a Beethoven or a Bach or the Beatles, yeah. right? So the, those names have brands. Exactly, right? right? Yeah, so, and so and the piece of work... Like, oh, that's, and, that's a Bach. And I like that because I think in the branding world, yeah. there's, this, there's this... And this has been perpetuated for about... 75, 80 years, we confuse product and brand. Product is the artwork. It's the expression of the group of individuals working together for a common purpose, right? Who then have kind of a brand essence. And so when we say like Cheerios, are we talking, does Cheerios really have a brand or is it General Mills? over the expression of all of their products, who begins to form this, this more robust essence and identity because the group of individuals is not Cheerios. There's nowhere on the planet are there a bunch of people wearing Cheerios uniforms. They're not. They're all General Mills. 
right? They identify yeah. it at the at the group level. Uh, and now maybe you could spin it off, right? You could say, all right, yeah. we're going to be the Cheerios <clears throat> group and we do everything about Cheerios. But I think that's where we get a lot of confusion. I know like when we work with clients, um, I know Chris has seen this and, and our director, Eric's definitely seen it where we walk into a workshop and that's like the first thing we have to like really pull apart in their minds is that we're not talking about their products. We're talking about them. We're not talking about the 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 board on the deck of the ship of Theseus, right? Uh-uh. We're talking about the whole ship and the way it's. Or we're, like, we're talking about, about the, the essence of the ship and like the what the prow, the thing that goes. Well, those all are all stuff, still the configuration. Those are, I, those are all still things the, that could be replaced. You though. could replace all of yeah. those, but, and the essence is still there. But if but if the ship came back and it were totally shaped differently, I think you would have a harder time if you justifying could, the essence still being if, the same. If you could tell me. <clears throat> If you could tell me a story about how you changed each part of the ship gotcha. gradually. Okay. I mean, uh, it's, know, harder. Things, it's harder. It's harder. It's harder. But it would be but, coherent. Yeah. Now, see, here's the, the other, if we're going to use that analogy, the ship analogy. So let's forget the artist analogy. We're moving on to the ship. We're moving back to the ship. Back to the ship. Um, I love that analogy, by the way. It's, I, that, that, I think it works really well. Um, if you were replacing all of the parts of the ship, and they all look different, right? You different colors, different shapes. And by the time you got back, it was totally different, right? You would have to work really, really hard with the people back on shore who saw you three years ago and then saw you again today, three years later, but never saw you in between. But the crew, the crew would identify that this is still our ship. It's the USS Odysseus. I don't know. Or it'd be the Theseus. It'd be the Theseus, right? Because they would identify, because they've been there, they've experienced the story the whole time that the changes are happening. And maybe they've got a good captain. Odysseus. Was it Odysseus? No, uh, Theseus. Was Theseus the, is the, 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 the captain. character. So Theseus is on the ship. He's, and then the ship is named something. You know, it's it's part of a larger myth. He, does he have the black sail or the, the white sail? And yep. if he has the wrong sail, anyway, something like that. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was Odysseus, so I'm getting confused. But it's part of the it's, same. Because it's all Theseus. It's all Greek this to me, man. It's all <laughs> But yeah, like if he was communicating that whole time really well, like these decisions and why we're making them and the direction we're going. So if he vision. had regular email updates coming out yeah. of the ship, like yep. monthly newsletter, yeah. email newsletter. If he his, published publicly his 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 ship log. Or a podcast. Anyway, or, a blog. Uh, <laughs> or podcast. Carrier pigeons. He had a ship podcast. I like this. Um, <laughs> Pigeon cast. And let's say he was publishing that back to the people on shore the whole time. Would they then have a much easier time going, oh, yeah, it, it looks different, but it's the same. Right. Right. Because the ship is more than its parts. Yeah. So, so I think you're right. So that when there's a, a radical change, right, mm-hmm. uh, if you've not been letting people in on that change at each yeah. step and why each step happened, then you're going to have a lot of work to do. Uh, whether it's walking them through step-by-step step the changes or something else to convince them that you're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or else you might just have to say, well, Guess let's we're just call it, let's call it something different now. So we're not the same. Follow-up know, question to that. Can brands then intrinsically change? Like, could I tomorrow, it's not Resound anymore. It's ABC company and it's a different brand? Well, uh, or can the essence change, I, think, I guess? Uh, I guess that's the question. So an essence can't change, but a thing can... Have a new essence? A thi- Well, nothing can have a new essence, but the thing that existed can cease to exist. There we go. And a new thing with the same parts can come into being. Okay. And while that's extremely difficult with people, and I hope it never happens to any of us. <laughs> uh, yes, we've had this conversation before. <laughs> but uh, uh, Would it, it be like Winter Soldier, where they just like took his... like Probably. And he became evil. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, this gets into like, you know, like when someone has like severe head trauma. Right. Right. And they come out of it. Like maybe they were in a coma for a year and they come out and they're, they don't seem they don't to be memories. the same no, person. No connection. No, no memories whatsoever. No connection whatsoever to the past. Uh, and no psychological similarities that yep. you can trace. Right. Then, then you ask questions like, is this the same person anymore? I don't know. Yep. But with brands, I mean, that's very easy for that to really happen. So, the thing that was there before is no longer there. And we have a new thing and we've got some of the old parts and it may have the same, you know, legal entity, right? That may be one of the things the new brand gets from the old one, but it's a, it's a successor. Um, it's a, 
it inherited. It's the heir, maybe, to the old brand, but it's a new brand. And it's not it's a child. Yeah, a child that would be birthed out of. Well, that's a, a beautiful way to say it, but it might be yeah. like some weird nephew. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it could be a Frankenstein child. Yeah, <laughs> the, the heir could be anybody, but uh, <laughs> Frank, Franken Company. Franken Company. That probably exists. Sorry, yeah. Mr. Franken, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, I'd say at a certain point, the, the brand is inheriting as an heir something of a former brand. And so I think that can really happen. And, and that is a time when you need a, a new brand mm. because you're not you any, you're not them. Yep. Yeah. So time check. Um, we have just a couple of minutes left. I want to ask, uh, have we, have we, have we covered most of the stuff that we need? Uh, our claim was that we're going to talk about how brands express group identity. I think we've definitely touched on that. Is there anything that we need to clarify that we want to add at this point? I don't know. Is, is there, I mean, uh, He's like, I just showed up. Yeah. I just, you know, I just had. <laughs> we'll we'll defer to you, yeah. Doctor Watson. <laughs> I'm sure you're like. There I have are, like 18 more hours worth of content that we, we could cover. We well, have. <laughs> I have five more, yeah. like full, like questions that represent well, their own how, podcast that how I could I, be asking. Right I now. say just one more thing that I would I yes. would want to to say on this topic. So please, this maybe reveals that some of my philosophical interests are in Aristotle and mm. and uh, and that view, not just in terms of his metaphysics, but in terms of his ethics. And there was a view in ethics Aristotle held that's known as virtue ethics. And the idea in virtue ethics is that uh, rather than talking about right actions or wrong actions or good actions or bad actions, because those are so very difficult to figure out, we should be talking about the persisting character or virtue of a person over time. Hmm. And uh, someone's character is is ultimately shaped by virtue, and virtue is um, involves acting in accordance with the thing's purpose or function, our function as a rational being to reason. Um, and so that has one story for people as reasoners and what it is to live, live a reasonable life. But in terms of brands, uh, I, I think we can get something out of that, that if we have accurately identified something's brand and its essence, then we know what not just what it is to be that thing, but what that thing is for, what its mm -hmm. purpose or goal or role is. And once we understand that, then we can say, for that brand, given what it is, what would be virtuous for that or what would be a vice for that? We would know how to evaluate whether that thing is good or not. Not whether it's doing some good stuff, right? <laughs> doing some admirable or praiseworthy things. Whether that is acting in accordance with what its function is and fulfilling it excellently. So virtue is excellence in fulfilling something's function. A, a good can opener is a can opener that opens cans well. A good car is a car that drives well. A good can opener is not one that does other things well. It's the one that opens cans well. People are more complex than can openers. Brands are more complex than can openers. But the idea is the same. A good organization, an organization that's doing good, right, for itself, for what it is, is one that fulfills its function or purpose well. So now if a brand then gets on the air or makes a claim and it's in accordance with how we see their natural function. Now all of a sudden they have to do much less explaining about why you should trust them because we already know that we can trust them or we know that we can't because they've taken a stand well, and that we, we know we can at least trust them to be that thing they are. Right. So I, you, I mean, brands are funny. They're not like people. So you can have a, a brand that's just intrinsically bad. I mean, right. Hope, hope you don't have that. But it would be, uh, well, I guess you do get with that, that with people. So you can have a good thief, so someone who's really good at stealing. Yeah. <laughs> a good serial killer, so someone who's really good at killing. Uh, so you can have a brand that's good at being bad if it's a bad brand, right? right. Um, but the key thing is we can trust it to be consistent in doing that kind of thing when it does things in accord with that function, with that role, with what it is. And it's when it tries to act outside of that that we have a lot harder time explaining why we should trust it now. Now it's not as consistent. No, it's not in accordance with that intrinsic function it has. Just like with people, when a, when a person starts to act out of character, you have much less trust in that character. Right? So when mm -hmm. someone says, do you trust me? And I want to say, trust you to do what? Trust you for yeah, what? Well, that, that's, the right, that's, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I mean, I, you know, I trust I, someone's intentions maybe, but I don't trust their ability to do something, right? That may be true of some people. You you have a lot of trust that they're well-intentioned. There may be people you have a lot of trust that they're not well-intentioned. I mean, right. Uh, so yeah, trust is a good a good word because um, we want to be trusted and we want to trust, but we need to be clear on what it is. Just like mm. you said, that we're trusting some someone or some something to do. Right. But, but yeah. may that may I suggest that's perhaps 
one of the critical measurements for a brand, like how how well that brand is living to their essence is the level at which people trust them to act a certain way. Yeah, um, I would say it's a good measure of a brand's, uh, how well it is uh, achieving its function as a brand. So function mm-hmm. is just a part of who, yeah. who they are. Yeah. It's not the totality of who they are. A good measure of that is do people generally say, I can trust them to do this, this yep. thing that they claim to do, right? Uh, and if they can't be trusted to do that, then that's a sign that either that's not really part of who they are and they need to rethink that, mm. uh, or that is part of who they are, but they're doing a terrible job at executing on it. And so yeah. why, right? Yeah. I, I trust them to be mediocre. Hmm. Well, what, well what, what, what's, a, what's a brand we can test this theory on? Hmm. I started to say Nike, but then I was like, no, we don't have time for Nike. Toyota. But um, Toyota? I don't know. It just popped to Toyota. my Toyota. What do we trust Toyota to do? Make it to 250,000 miles. Yeah. 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 Fairly reliable. Um, I typically trust them to catch when they know their mistakes to fix them. That's actually what my mechanic told me the other day when he was, hmm. I was talking about what brands do you like? And he's like, well, I really like Toyota. And I'm like, well, why? He's like, well, they're reliable, but also, they consistently own the mistakes they make and make them right. They're boring, kind of. Yeah. Like the Camry, yeah. nobody's like, Camry. No, they're not stylish. They're not going to knock your socks off. Roll. But they're, they're consistently going to not do that. Right. Yes, consistently, right. You can trust them to be yeah. boring and reliable, right? Yeah, well, and you know, here's an interesting point. So suppose Toyota comes out with a thing that's not boring, right? Right psychologically, what impact does that have on you as a consumer when it comes to trusting them to still be those other things you trusted them, them to so, be, which is reliable and making it a long time and admitting their mistakes? They, they tried this. Right. Yeah. Well, Scion. <laughs> they made a different yeah, okay, brand. They made a different right. brand. They attempted yeah, to make a different yeah. brand. What was interesting is everyone bought them based on the trust that it was a Toyota sub-brand. Yeah. And then it didn't prove to be as trustworthy as a Toyota. Right. And they've right. now reabsorbed them reabsorbed back in, huh. and they've knocked out, I think, some of the models. But yeah, but yeah, it's I mean that that, uh, that even if you're doing something that would seem really good on its own, right? Hey, you're going to be more exciting. Let's let's rev up Toyota, right? <laughs> um, well, uh, this makes us wonder: Are you still the same character you were before? Right. Right. So it costs trust, and if I identify almost viscerally, right, with Toyota. And I say, I want to go out and buy a Toyota. And then I see these ads about Toyota and Doritos going in or Mountain Dew, you know, doing some kind of like extreme sport, you know, whatever sponsorship, you know, then it's like, what's going on, you know, and I'm almost confused now. Now I have to be sold a little more on the. And we all know there's no logical connection between, you know, extreme sports and like do the brakes work, right? Right. (laughs) In fact, there's an opposite correlation between the importance. Right. Right. But, um. Uh, just like with people, we have a certain trust in their character just because it's consistent, right? Right. And it can even be a you know a little oppressive on us as individuals. You, people start assuming you're going to act a certain way, and you worry if I break too much out of that, what will they think of me? But like, for- what if Trump stopped tweeting? Like, what? What's, <laughs> my world is upside down. Sorry. So yeah, so uh, so uh, that would be off brand, right? So <laughs> same thing with Toyota. You you start sponsoring something on this end of things and. And we ask, well, are you the same people, I, same brand I trusted before? To, that I to thought I knew. Work, that well, I thought I, I knew. Think right. about like yeah. restaurants whose <clears throat> management changes, you know, and the, and the name stays the same. Mm. And we, we all kind of have this like moment after a couple times and we're like, they're just, not them anymore. This just doesn't feel right anymore. Yeah. This isn't the same thing, even though it has the same name. Yeah. The same ship and everything. Yep. Just different crew. Different crew. Or at least a different captain. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Wow, we've covered a lot today. We have. I just feel like we this is just the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah, we might need to do a follow-up. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I but, thought you'd but first we need to, first we need to go to the department, hint, hint, sponsorship. Not department. <laughs> no, it's the yard. The yard. The yard. We need the yard. We can get the department too. But the yard, that's a comma, hint, hint, sponsorship. Yes. Can continue. Yeah, yes, we need, we the, need yard. the yard, and we <laughs> need to cigars. have cigars and um and and really get into this uh-huh. meatiness, and then yeah, yeah. I see a traveling podcast in, in our near future. Interesting. You know when the weather turns colder. Uh, Very yes, yeah. interesting. Yeah, because nobody wants to sweat on a podcast. It just 
It just doesn't sound good. Gross. Nah. Yeah. You yeah. can you can hear the sweat dripping. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna wrap this up on a really high note. Yes. So is that it? I think we're done, right? With the questions that we had? The, the no, but no. we don't have time we for anymore. We don't have anymore. time for so, anymore. Um so cliffhanger. This is a cliffhanger yeah. episode. Yes. Come back in the future. I don't know if it'll be next time, but come back in the future and there will be another episode with Dr. Jeff Watson. Part one of the, of the series. Yes. Brand philosophy. Yeah. Branding philosophy 101. Workshop. We'll have to do 102 next time. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, this was You're like welcome. super awesome and time flew. Yeah, can't believe how fast it went. Yeah. Hopefully we get maybe some more time next time. This is Mike Jones and... And Chris Stadler. And if you want to contact Jeff, you will find his information mm-hmm. on the podcast, on the um, the part below the podcast, you know, all the words. Yeah. The part near the podcast, the bo- around podcast. it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so if you want to hit him up and ask great philosophical questions, he may email you back. He may not. Or you know what? You can just sign up for one of his classes at ASU. That's right. That sounds even better. Yep. Um, <laughs> and for Chris and I, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, you can find you. us always at azbrandcast.com. Yep. Uh, obviously, if you're listening right now, you're on Business Radio X on the Phoenix uh, website. And so you can continue to check us out there. You can find our podcasts on all the places that you find podcasts like iTunes and Google Play. Just search for AZ Brandcast. And, and you can go to azbrandcast.com. Yes, yeah, so you can go back to our website. And definitely, if, you, if you're on there, I highly recommend checking out other episodes and also signing up for our newsletter. Yes. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, we like to drip out fun little things every once in a while. Totally. I think that's it. That's it. Thanks, everybody. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you.